in a 20 year horizon your phone will be a personalized credit card it will be super personalized for you from loyalty points interest rate you're listening to b2b account. revenue acceleration a podcast dedicated to helping software executives stay on the cutting edge of sales and marketing in their industry let's get into the show welcome to another episode of the payments innovation podcast this is your host brady burkett and i'm joined today by nitya sharma ceo and founder of simple welcome to the show nitya Thanks, Bray. Thanks for having me. Uh, excited to be here. Really excited to have you on. For those of us, for those of our listeners who aren't familiar with Simple, um, Simple is one of the leading buy now, pay later services in India. So, Nitya, I'll, I'll ask you first if you could introduce yourself and then maybe lead that into you know, how you founded Simple and, and what the company is trying to do. Sure. So, as you said, my name is Nitya Sharma, uh, co-founder and CEO of Simple. Before Simple, I, I was doing something very different. And honestly, Simple was not a plan I had. My background is I grew up in India, then went to the US to go to grad school, graduated from University of Michigan, Ann Arbor, uh, studying financial mathematics, and then ended up working on Wall Street for almost 10 years. First at Bear Stearns in New York, where I was trading mortgage-backed securities. Uh, then I was at Goldman Sachs, where I was trading structured credit uh, during the global financial crisis, which was an exciting time. And then I was at a distressed hedge fund in New York, also investing in structured credit. So always just structured, structured credit, you know, type stuff. And in 2014, decided that I want to be an entrepreneur. And I thought that the only road of entrepreneurship for me would be a hedge fund. So kind of like thought that maybe it's time for me to start my own hedge fund. I had no idea, you know, how to even start a hedge fund, but kind of like felt that was the thing to do. And as I was thinking about starting a hedge fund and like, just like, Thinking through, you know, what type of investments I want to make, um, I was spending time in India, uh, which is where my parents live. And one thing led to another, and my bank in India rejected my credit card application. And the reason they rejected my credit card application is, in India, I would be considered what is called no credit file or a thin credit file consumer. Obviously, I understood it technically, but, you know, it, it obviously raised some alarms in my head, uh, because in the US, I had you know, my Amex Platinum card and a bunch of other credit cards and always use credit cards. Never thought, you know, not getting a credit card is a problem statement. This bank in India that I, I banked with had a decent amount of my deposits. I was, I had a trading relationship with them. I had a very strong relationship with the bank, but the bank just could not underwrite me because I didn't have a credit score. Then I looked around and realized very few people in India actually have a credit card. So even today, only 25 million unique people in India have a credit card. So kind of like saw that. So compared to, so you imagine this, half a billion people have a smartphone connected to the internet and only 25 million people have a credit card. So saw this gap. The second thing I saw in India was most people, so commerce is very quickly leapfrogging to the mobile platform. So people are buying online and people are buying on the mobile phone. Yet 60 to 70% of all transactions are still done with what is called cash and delivery. So what that means is, is you'll buy online from, let's say, Amazon or, or take an Uber ride or, or, or buy food online and so on. And the guy will actually come to your house and you will 70% of the time exchange cash at the doorstep. Wow. You can imagine how, how, yeah, how, how expensive and unscalable it is, but that's how it is. Uh, and it was when I was looking at it. Uh, and the first, first thought you have is, is, well, there must be a financial inclusion problem, meaning people do not have payment instruments or are unbanked and so on. And, and, and that's actually not false. Uh, that's false. So, you know, then you, when you look around India, you realize India is actually one of the most banked countries in the world 
with one of the most sophisticated banking structure that has ever been. And that's kind of like quite a statement to make, but let me explain you what I mean. So today, there are about 900 million people in India who have a bank account. Uh, so every single person who, who's over the age of, let's say, 18 has a bank account. So it's the most bank country in the world. That's number one. Every single person who has a bank account has a debit card, right? So therefore, everybody has a payment instrument. They can use it. They also have what is called UPI. UPI stands for Unified Payment Interface. And basically, for your listener, the, the closest analogy is ACH. Uh, like the, the ACH in the US, except it's real time, 24-7 and does not cost any money. Meaning I can, I can send you 50 cents or 10 cents or one cent in real time in your bank account does not cost us anything. Uh, each it right? it kind of sounds like a dream for a lot of folks in the fintech industry in the US. Yeah, no, exactly. Uh, I'd imagine so, there's, a, there's a but coming up here. Yeah, no, no, there is no but actually. Uh, this, is, this is a dream and I'll you know, uh, uh, so let me tell you what, what else is there. There is what is called the, the India stack. What is, uh, what is the, what, which, what that means is, is every single person in India now have the equivalent of your US social security number, except it can be verified digitally and also through biometrics. So I can prove to you my identity in real time right now uh, uh, and so on. They also are building what is called account aggregator. It's not live. So all these things I just told you are live, right? It's yeah. there. Billion people have it. It's already there. The next things that they're developing are what is called account aggregator. So account aggregator, for the, for the lack of any other analogy, is Plaid. So, you know, you know anybody can uh, give consent and APIs and I can scrape your bank account. Or not scrape, actually get all the information. Uh, with your permission, of course. All of this is open APIs, public APIs, almost free to use for any startup, right? So now imagine, right? Um, one thing I like to say is, is, this is the internet of money. So there is money, there is money in the bank accounts, and there is all these free, free services like internet where money can be moving around very securely in real time. And, and therefore it's a dream to kind of like now come on top of it and build user experience, right? So, so kind of like uh, there is no but here. Um, I mean, obviously these things are relatively new, um, so, you know, mm -hmm. Five years back or six years back, maybe uh, nothing was there, and now most of it is here, and then it's being developed. Uh, you know, there are issues around stability and like success rates and so on, but but they will be solved in two years. So that's what is here. Yet people people use cash for purchases, right? So you know, when I saw that, right, uh, you know, it seems like this, you know, perfect technology platform on the consumer side, right? Mobile phone, internet, people are buying online. And then this perfect technology platform on the banking side, and yet people are using cash, right? So, you know, obviously when you look at it, you, you kind of like scratch your head and say, there must be a massive opportunity in the middle to kind of like figure out how to fix it. And, you know, obviously coming from the US and like living uh, kind of like in the US and using my credit cards, my first thought was, well, you know, when I thought about myself in the US, I never used my debit cards online because I, for me, debit cards were my bank account, you know, fraud and I don't want any, any, any issues with my back. debit card. My credit card was what, like I would put it on Uber and Amazon and everywhere and one click checkout was beautiful. And, and I thought that the problem in the market is that people use cash. And actually that's the reason a lot of people use cash uh, for online purchases to build trust in the transaction in the absence of credit cards. So, so when you have a credit card, you put it online and like whatever happens, if there is fraud, if there is chargebacks, if there is no delivery, you know, you can, you can call someone and they will take care of it. 
with a debit card, it's your problem, right? Um, you know, move money moves from your bank account. So people just use cash to build trust in the platform, right? Mm-hmm. So, so I thought, you know, you know, credit cards should solve that problem. And therefore, there is probably a massive opportunity to build some sort of a, you know, a consumer first credit card company, a credit card issuer, very much like, like I thought Capital One of India, right? Yep. Or a new bank of India, so on. And, and, you know, thought it was an interesting thing. Uh, so, and, and as you, as I told you, I had zero background in payments. So I started learning about payments. What is credit card? How does it work? Right. Uh, no idea. And I spent, I think two months uh, trying to understand what payments are, what is a credit card? How does visa work, et cetera. And the only thing, and honestly, I still don't understand. Uh, it's so complicated, <laughs> as you know, you know, till it scratch my head half the, half the time trying to figure out how these things work. But one thing that clearly jumps out is, what we call credit card was built in the 50s and 60s. And nothing about the whole thing, whether it's a product, the product experience, the business model, the revenue model, the value chain has changed at all between mm-hmm. 1950s and 60s to today, right? And, 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 then, the, and then, then you look at it and you kind, of like, you, you kind of like look at this thing that, you know, people love their credit cards. Uh, however, the business model is almost like anti-merchant and anti-consumers, right? Too much MDR is charged by the merchant from the merchant, and too much late fees and interest rate are charged to the consumer to benefit banks only, right? Mm-hmm. And and you know obviously there is a reason for it. We all know that. And you know back in the day there was no reason, no way to really con- connect merchants and consumers. But the question then is, is well in the world of internet where everybody has a smartphone, everybody is buying online, there is so much crazy amount of data. Do you really need to build a credit card company? Can you not reimagine the whole thing? And to me, that was an exciting problem statement. And um, yeah, with that kind of like simple was started. So you're tackling the issue of consumer payments in India, which is a massive uh, market opportunity, you know, sort of looking at how credit cards are solving problems of trust to eliminate cash payments from the system. It's kind of mind blowing to think of, you know, paying for your Amazon delivery in cash when, when the UPS man comes to your door. So huge opportunity. How does Simple work? What's the technology behind it? And um, what's the business model that brings the consumers and the merchants together? Absolutely. Uh, let me quickly um, talk, to, talk to you about the business model and the product construct, and then we'll get to the technology. Uh, mm-hmm. so, so we actually did something that, was, that already existed in India informally. Uh, and actually, it exists in the world informally for for. for thousands of years. Um, so I'll tell you, you know, one of, the, one of the insights that we are using to build Simple. Uh, so when I moved back to India, I live in a building in Bangalore. Uh, and around my building, there are a bunch of stores, right? Physical stores, small stores, the grocery store, the, the, the milk guy, the, the newspaper guy, the, 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 the pet store, the dry cleaning guy. And they all run a tab on me, like a house account. Uh, yep. uh, in, in India or in Hindi, it's called the khata. K-H-A-T-A. Uh, it's super common. And I actually grew up in a very, very small town um, in north of India um, back in the day, uh, tw- like let's say 20, 25 years back. Uh, and, um, you know, in this small town, we had a little store near our, our house and my grandfather had a tab there and the whole family bought it, bought from that, right? It's almost like the store credit card. And I'm, I'm you know, after, you know, living around the world, I'm back in India and I'm, I kind of like noticed this, right? Oh, the khata is still here. And, and kind of like one thing, you know, because I was starting to think about payments, I kind of like said, well, this is the credit card of India. It's already here. And, and it's not only here in like my neighborhood, it's across India. It's in big cities. It's in small cities. It's in 
it works with rich people it ha- it works with poor people it works with middle class people it works with old people and it works with millennials right even kids and you know it's like the most horizontal credit card imaginable and the question is why does it work no and and why has it existed for centuries and actually you know when you think about before you know credit card started that's how you know the world works right i don't know if you know the story of diners card diners diners club card but before diners club started restaurants used to run tabs on their best clients in manhattan right so you know establishments running house accounts is is a very common thing uh, and and the question is why does it exist right and you know when you look at it from that lens you know you 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 see two things uh, first of all it is a way that the merchant builds a relationship of trust with their best customers uh, mm-hmm. it's almost like a bilateral american express uh, you can come to my store and if you come there often and like brady you're my best customer you don't have to pay and what that does is it, it builds a relationship which automatically converts into loyalty and mm-hmm. trust and of course a bigger business right for a consumer you can't imagine a better experience than not paying for yes. what you have, right you know at simple we say this uh, quite quite commonly the best payment experience is no experience and that's a goal at simple right and then that's where our our thought on buy now pay later comes you know we are really time shifting payment and settlement from the part of enjoying right at the point of buying when you're wanting to enjoy the purchase the retail the restaurant whatever you know we are taking all the friction away and just like giving you the best experience you can imagine which is not an experience at all right so so that's kind of like you know i wanted to put it out there so what we said was well this this thing like the khata is already here people are using it there is already consumer behavior formed all we need to do is is take it put it online uh put it on the internet uh make it interoperable and and kind of like you know call it the next credit card and that's kind of like how simple works so in a nutshell what simple is 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 like nothing but a tab uh, a ledger that the consumer maintains with the merchants that they they transact with we work with merchants and merchants data and, and use that data to create a small credit line for the consumer which they can use to uh, you know basically purchase on these retailers and and aggregate these transactions across retailers that work with uh, we work with every 15 days a bill is created uh, where a consumer can just like you know uh, pay off that bill and as long as they are paying off that bill um, they they kind of like uh, you know continue to use simple and that and and that and the like so that's kind of how it works in the background um, it's a it's obviously a complicated piece of technology and that's a ip so the first thing is an sdk uh, so to use simple you don't need a simple mobile application we work very deeply with online retailers where we integrate with their mobile application uh, so what that means is is when you as a customer download you know some of our merchant mobile application you have automatically download simple um so that's number one uh, that's how we get consumer side distribution then what we do is is we work very deeply with these merchants and the data uh, on the mobile and like uh, of course with a uh, very deeply thought out consent architecture so it's all with the consumer's consent we kind of like use unstructured non traditional data to underwrite consumer credit now this credit is not for very large amount of money or for very long duration this is for small amount of money typically anywhere from 20 to 100 so actually actually 20 to 300 starts small and then graduates slightly higher uh, for a period of 15 days uh, um when a consumer comes to the checkout page of a retailer we in real time decide uh, whether or not uh, this customer is allowed to use simple if you are allowed to use simple for the first time there is a very quick sign up process that you do on the checkout page it takes mm-hmm. 30 seconds and it's a guaranteed checkout 
when you check out this SDK in the background fingerprints your device. So we tokenize the device. So going forward, this device becomes your credit card. And then you come to any other merchant that works with simple. As long as you're on the same device, you see the button, you press a button, it's a one-click checkout. So it's like a one-click checkout of Amazon, a charge card of American Express, and integration of Stripe, all bundled to one stack. Obviously, the underwriting is uh, done through you know, um, statistical model and machine learning models. And, and that's kind of like how we also are able to give credit to people because one of the other problem statements in India and most emerging markets is credit bureaus are very, very new and most people just don't have enough data. Yeah. So, so I understand it correctly. You know, you're working with uh, maybe a, a coffee store chain through their mobile app, get, gathering data about their users. Um, you have some proprietary al- algorithm to provide a credit line to each of those users as they um, use that you know, coffee store. So you offer pay by simple on the checkout page. I'm curious, you know, uh, obviously the merchants you're working with are digitally enabled, but are they more um, online retail, you know, think shopping like, like Amazon? Are they physical retail, you know, picking up your mobile order at a coffee chain or, or, or burger stand? You know, and, and how, how has your business shifted? We're recording now at the end of June. Um, how has your business shifted with COVID? Um, can you talk a little bit about, you know, physical retail with mobile checkout versus um, true online retail and, and how COVID has kind of impacted things? Yeah. So, so, um, so you know, uh, our product, for the most part, is focused around small transactions that people do frequently, right? So, so that is online food, online grocery, online clothes, online movie tickets, uh, mobility, like taking cars, rides and stuff, and order ahead. Uh, so, you know, uh, as you said, the coffee shop and like cafeterias and, and, and restaurants. So that's, that's how we think about, like, that's kind of like the focus on the business. Currently, we work with, um, you know, obviously it's been a journey, but now we work with some of the largest internet retailers in India. Um, so we work with small coffee chains, obviously. Um, so one of the, one of the big coffee, Big but but uh, but smallish uh, coffee chain in India is called uh, Third Wave Coffee Roasters. Uh, it's like the blue, blue bottle of India. They have a mobile app, so we work with the mobile app so that people can get a order ahead uh, and so on. Then we work with some of the largest platforms in India. For instance, for for example, Zomato. So Zomato would be like Postmates of India or DoorDash of India. We work with Big Basket, which is like the Fresh Direct of India. We work with Dunzo, uh, which is like the Instacart of India, and so on. So some of these large platforms naturally. In, um, you know, you know, during the COVID, um, some of the platforms, um, you know, obviously, wherever there is a physical location is, uh, you know, obviously not really functional because uh, people are not going uh, to stores that much. But the other platforms like, you know, food delivery and grocery and hyper local commerce and Instacart type platform at Dunzo, they are, they are scaling 100% month on month, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's number one. The second thing that we are seeing uh, about a product is, you know, because our product is not really, you know, focused around consumer discretionary. So people do not use simple pay later product to buy a phone or, or a Peloton bike or, or something expensive or, or aspirational. Um, they're buying food and things yep. that they, regardless of, you know, uh, COVID, you have to still eat and buy grocery and, and so on. So, you know, we are seeing actually an increase in demand of digital commerce in India and I think globally. And, and, and actually, for the first time, we are seeing an increase in demand from the consumer for digital payment. And the reason is, you know, handling cash naturally seems unhygienic um, in yeah. this time of COVID where you don't know who has touched this 
uh, bill before. Uh, and, and we are seeing consumers really wanting to adopt mobile payments, regardless of pay later or not. Uh, and so we are seeing that trend um, you know, growing very, very, very quickly. So I think you, you touched on something really interesting, especially for our U.S. and uh, European listeners. Um, so you, you mentioned buy now, pay later, that the consumers want to use it to rack up these small purchases and then settle back sort of at, at more convenient times um, in a more convenient way. What we think of as buy now, pay later are the afterpays or affirms or Klarna's or Sezzles where you, know, you, you are making those large purchases and then using buy now, pay later um, to break up the purchase and pay over time you know, a, as a, a, a credit system. So can you touch on you know, how you view yourself in comparison to those? You know, we understand the use cases are different, but have you come across folks who sort of put you in that bucket? Do you consider yourself a competitor? Um, are there any other companies in the U.S. that you think you're more similar to than those uh, sort of typical buy now, pay later firms? Yeah. No, I, I think, Brady, that's a great question. And I think it requires probably a three-tiered uh, answer. Um, so first of all, as you said, there is definitely over the last two years, maybe three years, it is clear buy now, pay later has a right, right? So, you know, uh, and this is across markets, right? Whether you are in an emerging market like India or a developed market like US or Australia, you know, you're seeing various types of pay later companies, right? Um, and I think that is coming from a very, very fundamental macro shift around the consumer. Uh, and the macro shift is a millennial consumer has a value system that is horizontal around the world, right? So a millennial consumer is in India or in Bangalore is no different from their counterpart in Sydney or Nigeria or Tokyo, or San Francisco, or New York City, or London, or Stockholm, right? And what they expect is, is phenomenal user experience, high amount of transparency, and high amount of convenience, right? And they are all using, and the reason is, they are all using the same apps, right? Everybody's on the same phone, right? iPhone or Android. Um, mm -hmm. And everybody's using Spotify, Airbnb, Google Maps, Uber, uh, et cetera, right? And, or Amazon, right? So they have that experience, uh, that, that expectation the moment they, 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 they become adults, right? Credit cards and banks are just not able to give them that what they want, right? They don't want high interest rates. They want affordability. They want credit, but they don't want it in a way where they can get themselves into a debt trap, right? That is one of the big drivers around uh, buy now, pay later in the world. And, and, and to me, I'm convinced uh, that... You know, if you think about payments itself, right, um, you know, think about digital payments as a, you know, I guess as last 60 years, you know, we, the first uh, thing that became uh, huge was uh, obviously credit cards, right? Um, and until about 2000, nothing new happened except PayPal. And over the last 20 years, really nothing new has happened uh, except that PayPal and PayPal is a hundred billion dollar company uh, or, or maybe more now. I strongly believe buy now, pay later is that next big leap forward. On, on, on payments. Um, and I think it is the one thing that could actually disrupt credit cards itself, as we know it. So, so that's number one. Now, that's what we believe. Uh, we believe, you know, in a 20-year horizon, your phone will be a personalized credit card. It will be super personalized for you from loyalty points, interest rate, credit lines, et cetera, right? Your card will be different from mine, right? Just like your Spotify is different from mine, this card will be different from yours and it'll be your phone itself, right? So that has to happen, right? Yeah. Uh, you know, that's what we believe. Now, because we believe that, um, um, I think our approach to entering this market and thinking about this market is different from, I think, um, all the other companies you, explain, uh, you talked about. Uh, 
in a way where i think most companies are approaching you know buy now pay later from a very consumer lens we are actually approaching it from both consumers and, and merchant uh, yeah. together and and we call ourselves merchant first consumer centric uh, that's how we think about our our positioning uh, and and the testament to this is we are actually cheaper than all the companies that put together uh, we charge merchants less than credit card every other company that you talked about actually charge merchants more than credit card uh, so yeah. that's number 1 now one of the things that um, you know um, um, you know because we operate in this um, you know little bit of a niche of pay later for small transaction that people do frequently consumers automatically end up using simple very very frequently so to give you an example right an average sim- average customer uses simple for about let's say 20 25 in a 15 day period and and use simple about 7 to 10 times right yep. an average customer of let's say afterpay uh, would use afterpay let's say for, for like 100 or 150 maybe once a quarter an average customer of klarna probably the same an average customer a firm probably uses a firm for let's say 500 or maybe 1000 maybe once a year or maybe once in a lifetime right so that's kind of like you know that's that's a kind of like the spectrum of you know frequency and size and so mm-hmm. on right so we are operating in these you know uh, daily use cases uh, and of course naturally we 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 will and we want to go you know for other use cases like you know expensive stuff and eventually installments as well but we want to start here so that's number one by doing so we are able to actually build a much better data platform and manage risk better than i think most of our competitors because of which we are able to offer a much better pricing to the merchant which makes us actually closer to the merchant so we are actually you know merchants like us more because you know we charge 1.5% to give an example afterpay charges 4.5% yep. right so we are one third of afterpay uh, obviously the use case is different but but this is super important one thing that is worth also pointing out is if you think about where we are today in the world in, in terms of commerce and then you extrapolate technology advancement and where we will end up in 5 years is that you know for every e-commerce platform that you use or mobile commerce uh, you'll see a trend that consumers are buying more frequently uh, the frequency is increasing but checkout amount per transaction is decreasing mm-hmm. uh, and this is across the board right so for instance amazon right um, so take amazon for example 10 years back or 15 years back we would sit in our in our apartment you know once a month maybe once in two weeks uh, on our laptop and say okay let me buy amazon and i will fill up my cart uh, and buy 100 or 200 dollars worth of amazon right? yeah I'll just bust over my app, and I want toilet paper, diapers, whatever, toothpaste. I'll press two buttons, and Amazon is there, right? Yeah. Uh, right. So, so if I was doing an average transaction in Amazon once a month, you know, ten years back for hundred dollars, today I'm doing five dollar, ten dollar transactions on Amazon, right? Yeah. You take that use case, and then you kind of like use it for more mobile centric platforms, like let's say Uber, right? You know, ten years back we were taking the Uber to the airport for fifty bucks. today we are jumping on the bird scooter or uber uber scooter for 2 dollars right yeah. so the world is actually moving towards you know a world of more frequent small transactions the problem really for small transactions is they are incredibly expensive for yeah. merchants right because with credit cards what happens is um you pay that 2 and a half 3% which is which is high but it is what it is but you end up paying in 19 to 20 cents fixed fees for transaction yeah. right now that fixed fees is not that big uh, 19 cents who cares for a 100 dollar transaction 
But the moment the transaction goes below ten dollars, um, you know that that fees becomes you know exponentially higher, right? So much higher for five dollar transaction. Which is why if you walk into your favorite bodega in Manhattan and you buy something for five dollars, they will not accept the credit card. It's yeah. it's illegal, by the way. They're not allowed to not take the credit card, but they still can't operate the business. It goes right. to show, it goes can't can't pay that margin, right? Which is where we see this massive opportunity for for Simple, where um, you know, we first become a, 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 a often used small payment aggregation platform. And, 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 and through that, we, we, we get the customer's attention, customer's data, customer's trust, and get customers used to a user experience that is phenomenal, and then start giving them, you know, uh, like more, more, more kind of affordability products for bigger purchases, whether, whether, whether it's a free installment for four, four cycles like Afterpay or a, or a bigger purchase like Upper. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. Uh, the point you brought up um, that these smaller payments are, you know, incredibly expensive to accept for all merchants. Um, and what we might see are these online services like a bird scooter um, or even Amazon, you know, are willing to accept it because they're really covering that, that margin from somewhere else in their business or venture capital funding. Um, but the businesses that rely on cash flow and being cash flow positive, like a bodega. Um, can't accept yeah. that. So what what you're doing is really bridging the gap where you know all businesses can can accept those smaller payments um, in a digital way, which is what consumers want, and and the business would still be able to to operate a, at a good margin. Yes, no, absolutely. And I think I think there are obviously you know this this is a known problem, so it's not like I think people are aware of this problem. And I think most of the the approach around solutions that I have noticed are are almost like um, you know people are taking the taking the blockchain or like some sort of a yeah. you know this crypto crypto angle to it uh, and making it you know over complicated you know uh, there is you know as we all know uh, you know crypto itself is that not that cheap you know crypto as you know is like a decentralized permissionless ledger and and you know we don't think for micropayments you need that type of heavy duty almost like a sledgehammer right right the elegant solution that we have is you know as we discussed a centralized permission ledger with a system of intelligence around it so that it can underwrite consumer credit. Uh, and it turns out that, you know, um, you can, you can, you know, uh, the, you know, we have proved that, you know, the losses are so small that you can actually make these payments actually very, very small. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, very true. I think a lot of people here jump to cryptocurrency without realizing that there is this um, other path in the middle. You know, one, one thing I, I came across when looking into your company and, um, thinking about your model was capital velocity, right? You're doing 15-day loan cycles, whereas you know some of these other companies like a firm might be doing a three-month or or six-month loan cycle. So can you talk about how that impacts um, your operations and and um, you know maybe how how you're able to make those twenty-dollar transactions uh, actually you know profitable for you, where other firms have to take more of the, the five hundred-dollar transactions. Absolutely, absolutely. No, I, I, and I think that's a great question. So, so this is how simple works, right? Uh, just to reiterate, there is a 15-day cycle from the first to the 15th in a month, and then there is a next cycle in the month from 16 to 30th, right? So, as a consumer, you would use simple, kind of like, you know, just because it's for use cases like food and all of that. So, we see a very even usage on the, you know, first and the second, and then maybe you'll skip a couple of days, and then fifth, and so on, right? So, you will use it. Um, uh, simple, quite regularly between first to the fifteenth, and you pay off the bill, right? 
roughly, you know, on the 15th or 16th, right? Mm -hmm. So the average duration of capital out there is roughly eight to nine days. Yep. Right. So, 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 so for, for the sake of uh, easy calculation, let's take it 10 days. So the average duration of this is 10 days. Okay. Now, what that means is, is, and, and, and this duration is for, for use cases like food. So if I'm using simple, uh, simple is taking risk of hundred dollars on Nitya and I'm using this hundred dollars every 15 days. Right. And like, and I'm using hundred dollars and I'm using hundred dollars and hundred dollars and hundred dollars and so on. Right. Now, what that means is this, while the risk is only for hundred dollars, but because I'm using it so frequently, I'm actually using, you know, I'm making simple is making money on hundred dollars done 24 times in a month. Mm -hmm. Right. And because, you know, we make roughly one and a half percent and, and, you know, and consumer doesn't even pay anything. So there is no interest rate for the consumer. Only the merchant pays and it's cheaper than a credit card. Uh, but because we are full stack, this one and a half percent, if you were to convert it, think about this as a interest income or something, uh, this is on a duration of 10 days, right? So now if you want to APR it and you think about it as, as an annualized revenue, you're basically taking $10 duration, multiplying it by three to make it monthly, and then multiplying it by 12 to make it annualized. So 36 times 1.5 is what we make on a dollar of risk out there. Yeah. Right. Which is, which is obviously a decent amount of money, right? Yeah. Uh, now, so that's kind of like what we do. Compared to, let's say, Afterpay, right? Afterpay's um, product is, you know, you use Afterpay, and of course, it's a public company, so, you know, I think a lot of material is out there, but, you know, you use Afterpay, you pay the first installment now, and then every 15 days, you pay the three installments. The average duration is 25 days. Um, so it's roughly two and a half times bigger than us. A firm, I don't know what their numbers are, but they are probably three months, right? An average yeah. customer uses a firm for six months or 12 months or whatever. Um, so there, there is every three months. Now, the reason this is very important is, you know, capital itself is an important asset that we use to, to generate revenue, right? So, so to, to take an analogy here, uh, take an analogy of a food delivery company, right? And their biggest asset is the, the ride, uh, the, the, the delivery person, right? The, right. The, the person who's going from restaurant to restaurant, door to door, right? And one of the important metrics that everybody uses it are utilization ratio, right? When you have an asset like a car for Uber or, 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 or a person for, for, for Instacart, um, you want to utilize this asset as much as possible, right? And therefore, you know, Uber is always trying to optimize this, this car is always, you know, moving and there is a rider inside, right? Uh, similarly, for a business like ours, um, you know, if you have money, you want to get it going around the world as fast as possible, right? So mm -hmm. that's where we, we differentiate a lot and we, which is why, you know, uh, the unit economics are very powerful because uh, while we charge less, because the money is outstanding for, for much lower duration, we almost end up making the same as after. Yeah, yeah, I, really cool. Um, really cool point and, and glad that we had the chance to touch on that. So y y you mentioned you're very close with the merchants in India. You're also consumer centric. I, I think a question that comes up a lot for high growth companies like Simple um, is do you look at your existing users in the, in the consumer, your existing customer in the merchant and ask how can we innovate for these people already using the platform or are you looking at uh, other markets beyond India and asking how can we add um, new users to the platform? How do, how do you balance that question? And then can you take this into some specifics? Are you looking at any new markets, any new product features? Yeah, 
No, absolutely. So, you know, this is what we believe. We believe uh, in the near term. And when I say near term, I mean, you know, three to five year type horizon. There is an opportunity to give this product to about 100 million people. In and we are very focused on making sure we execute that. So that's number one. That said, you know, because I said we are merchant first and, and the way we define our product and product development philosophy is, you know, while for the ease of conversation, we, sell, we say we are merchant first and consumer centric, what we actually mean is we are merchant first and we empower merchants to be consumer centric mm. uh, because that is the real goal, right? No one uses payments. As, as I said, payments is one of those products. The lack of the product is the value, right? No one wants to use simple. No one wants to use the firm. People want to buy their Peloton bike and, or people want to buy their food or whatever, right? Um, and, and, and so our goal is always to figure out, you know, how do we empower merchants with more products and tools and intelligence so that they can be more consumer-centric, right? And naturally, uh, two products that are really important is loyalty and mm. affordability, right? So, so our new two product developments are uh, around a loyalty stack. And, and, and that is my, actually my favorite, you know, product, um, you know, that we'll be launching this year, which is this. Um, and, and this is where um, I get really get upset about payments, which is, you know, when you swipe your credit card at the coffee shop that you love and go to every day, and you've been going for the last five years, that coffee shop owner is paying 3% for transaction, mm. right? Now, if you do the math on where that 3% is going, you'll realize two of that percent is going to your loyalty points right? That you love, right? We all love our loyalty bond. But that loyalty is created for whom? The bank, right? Paid for by whom? Your coffee shop owner, right? I think that's highway robbery, right? Yeah, yeah. On the other hand, that coffee shop owner is trying to give you the punch card and he's giving you the 10th coffee free and the, the juice shop is giving you the 10th juice free, like the whole nine yard. Everybody's yeah. trying to, you know, make sure you are happy and, and all of the loyalty is built for the payment company, right? In the digital, in the physical world of on, on cards, you know, some of the big merchants are able to flip it, right? So Amazon Prime have their own Amazon Prime card and they are able to give the loyalty and like build loyalty for Amazon, yeah. Uber has the one. But the coffee shop can't, right? Small merchants just can't, right? In a digital world, it can happen, right? So we are building the first, uh, you know, loyalty platform in the world that will be not only intelligent uh, in terms of being able to help merchants decide which customer to give whom, but also beautifully, you, uh, you know, easy to use for consumers so that they can have loyalty points and stuff that they can use from the merchants they turn back so that they can benefit from each other, right? So that's kind of like, you know, I'm very excited about that. And that's, that's uh, we believe is the Achilles heel of, of the payment infrastructure in the world. Uh, yeah. Then of course, affordability, right? We want to build affordability, affordable products so that, you know, people can buy things and then pay over a uh, few months and like, and, and, and get charged interest rates that are, fair, transparent, and, and easy to pay back. Yeah. Uh, so, it sounds like, sounds like there's a lot of, of work out ahead of you guys in the Indian market to really take that on. Um, I think what, what's really cool about a few points you've brought up is you're just looking at the way credit card payments systems work today, um, understanding where, where the margins are going, who's getting paid for what, um, and trying to reimagine that system. So um, while you know, Simple is set up today, um, in India to do really well because of the financial structure um, you, you laid out earlier in our conversation, you know, the, the technology first banking system, for example, what you're identifying is there's also uh, a lot of opportunity globally anywhere that uses a similar type of structure with, with credit cards. 
Absolutely, right? And I think uh, the opportunity is different in different places. Uh, but I think the fundamental driver of opportunities um, in, the, in the world is consumers demand for a new type of credit card that is, you know, more friendly to them. And merchants demand to not be charged such a high interest rate, mm-hmm. right? I'll give you an example. In US alone, $100 billion every single year are taken from small merchants by payment companies, right? Creating a $1 trillion market capitalization, right? So, you know, obviously that's an economic rent, right? So, so I, think, I think the demand is coming from, or, or the opportunity comes from, you know, consumers demanding this thing and merchants demanding, you know, cheaper payment processing and like a pay, payment processing that helps them con- connect with their customer through, through loyalty points and so on, right? So, you know, um, so that's kind of like where we are excited about. And yeah, we, we strongly believe this is a global opportunity and uh, soon we'll be, you know, um, you know, expanding in more countries uh, and, and probably our next country will be the United States. That's exciting. Nitya, I've really appreciated uh, having you on. I think really, really interesting to learn about Simple and, and your model. It's pretty unique and, and not something that, that we hear a lot about. So I appreciate you sharing. How can folks get in touch with you, reach out, you know, you're trying to sort of um, get in touch with anyone else that, that uh, you want to plug here? Yeah, sure. Um, I can be very easily reached on uh, Twitter. Um, and uh, it is N Sharma 0813. Uh, N as in Nitya, Sharma is my last name. Um, 0813, I'm on Twitter. Uh, or I can also be reached on email, Nitya, N-I-T-Y-A, at getsimple.com g-t-s-i-m-p-l.com great i appreciate it wish you all the best and and stay safe um and and uh yeah best best for simple thanks brady uh it was great talking to you thanks for um uh, giving me the opportunity to to tell us uh, tell your tell your viewers our story uh so excited about this absolutely Operatics has redefined the meaning of revenue generation for technology companies worldwide. While the traditional concepts of building and managing inside sales teams in-house has existed for many years, companies are struggling with a lack of focus, agility, and scale required in today's fast and complex world of enterprise technology sales. See how Operatics can help your company accelerate pipeline at operatics.net. You've been listening to B2B Revenue Acceleration. To ensure that you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.